Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Along with me this week is a little bit of a different lineup, but really the original lineup from Poor Man's Podcast. Along with me this week, we have Jeremy Hopper, who you may know as Sports Guy JP. How are you doing today, sir? Great. How's it going? I'm uh, very excited to be here at the studio for the first time, and uh, it's excited to be back on the air. Yeah, it's nice to have you back on and joining us as well. We have the Egghead. Egghead, this is the first time you've been down here as well. Yes, it is, and I'm glad to be down here. It's a very nice setup. I it is a say. very. I keep saying that every single week, and I never get tired of it. It is the coolest place. Uh, I I can't recommend it enough. We're here at five six five live in Bellevue. Uh, they do comedy here on Thursday nights. They do uh, live music Friday and Saturday, uh, and uh, I can't recommend them enough. And then Girl Five Six Five upstairs is delicious. JP, you had lunch there today. Yeah, so I've. Had the pleasure of trying one of their meatball sandwiches today. Great. The bread was what made it the best part. It is, like, crunchy but soft at the same time. Perfect. Uh, Their fries here are incredible. Yeah, fresh cut. You can't beat it. Um, I've had great beer-battered fresh cut, but today, today's fresh cuts, I think, were, you know, top-notch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, while we're on Bellevue News, we have an important date for us coming up. August 6th, we have Rhythm and Brews in Bellevue. I believe there's 15 different local breweries. There's local musicians. Um, all the shops are going to be out there. Bellevue has some really awesome shops. Uh, so definitely stop down for that, and we'll be there. We'll be uh, recording live. Uh, August 6th, get your tickets now. Uh, they're more expensive day of, so definitely do that. And then uh, tonight, one of our bigger shows. We have a legend in our midst. I am so excited. We have Rick Seaback, who, uh, who we all know, JP. We grew up watching, yeah, watching big, Rick. Big fan. Um, we're very familiar with many of the documentaries. Uh, Pittsburgh A to Z, um, Kennywood Memories. The whole thing. Uh, our our aunt was well, yeah, was a, a kindergarten teacher, and we kind of grew up with the WQED stuff, and we saw that all the time. And this is this is as big as a show gets for us. So I am <laughs> super excited to get into all that. Um, but how about we get into some of the actually. Before we get into the beers, I want to talk about next week because August, we have all comedians in August. We have a great lineup. Uh, first week, we have uh, Aaron Kleiber is coming on. Then we have Mark Shimkitz, uh, Maddie Malloy, and then we have uh, Seneca Stone and Chrissy Costa to end it out. We have some really good comedians on there. A lot of alliteration with the names as well. I just noticed saying that. But uh, let's get into the beers of the week, shall we, gentlemen? Absolutely, this is the uh, part I've been looking forward to the most. JP, let's we'll start with your beer then. Okay, uh, tell everyone what you have tonight. So what I have here to uh, what I have here tonight is called an OG in bubbly space. It is actually a, a tart shake beverage, uh, orange puree, tangerine puree, and uh, it says some milk sugar and a uh, vanilla. Is it is it like a thicker one? It said you said it's like a tart shake. Uh huh. So yeah, it's a little bit of like the orange juice blend, but it's thick. And yeah. Tart. You know the tart flavor. It's more of a, a little lighter viscosity. sour taste. Yeah. Rather. 
And uh, Egghead, what do you have this week? I have the Swiss Home Park by East End Brewing. It is a hazy IPA with uh, Nelson Sauvin, Simcoe, and Strata. Uh, I'm not going to lie to the listeners and pretend <laughs> I know what that means, but I do have to say it is pretty tasty. I'm not an IPA connoisseur or anything like that, but it's it's definitely one of the ones I've enjoyed. Uh, I believe JP's has that Nelson Sovereign in it as well from when I was doing some research because that's kind of a, a strange name for a hop. I mean, I'm not, you know, I am a hopper, but I don't know that much about hops. And uh, that one, that name stuck out to me. So I'm trying to learn more about that. Yeah, mine comes from uh, Cinderlands. I don't think I mentioned that. Um, lo- local brewery. I-, I really like the canon artwork about it, too. It's like... I was, I'm was. i glad you brought that up because Cinderlands has some of the best artwork on their cans. I think they're really, really cool every time. Um, and speaking of cool cans, let me hold up my beer. Uh, this week, I'm going from Strange Roots. It's called Zomp. It's an, it's just a regular IPA, and it's, it's definitely pretty good. We were talking about the labels. Cinderland always has cool ones. Eleventh Hour has cool ones. Hop Farm has cool ones. Uh, East End's doing all the the neighborhood series. Those are really cool. But I think Strange Roots might have my favorite labels. Uh, this one, I had that Screaming Tangerine, which I think was like a citrus hazy IPA. Uh, you JP actually recommended it to me. That was delicious. And then I had another one that had like a Viking on it. But every time I've gotten a drink from there, it's been delicious. And Shay, uh, she had one called Serrated Kiss, I think. And she highly recommended that. But we're going to have to rank our beers. And I know Egghead is familiar with our ranking system. But for the people just tuning in today, uh, we use a ranking system based on Guy Fieri terms. Uh, We do the Guy Fieri Richter scale of flavor. Uh, Starting at one star, we have Gangster. Number two, we have Out of Bounds. Number three, Shut the Front Door. And number four, the pinnacle for your your beer flavor. We have Flavortown. Let's start uh, left to right, Egghead. I think I'm going to give this a shut the front door. Oh, okay. There, there's, there's no shame in shut the front door. That's a three-star. Uh, JP, you want to go over yours then? Sure. I, uh, I find it to be a very good-tasting beer, but I'm going to go out of bounds. I okay. Think, yeah, it, it's good, but it's not great. I'm not, like, huge on the tart flavor. Yeah. Just a touch I like. I think it's a little bit overpowering, but I like that you do get a little bit of a taste of a natural orange juice what, flavor. What's your go-to style for a beer? If if I'm, like, basic, I would say just, like, a general, um, you know, like, general lager or maybe a Miller Lite or a Stella if I'm feeling fancy with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, or... If you want um, to drink with the pinky out. Right. <laughs> or if I... I have been on, like, a bit of a sours craze right now, so I do, like, a lot of, like... The Prairie Brewery. I Don't like. uh, Stella have like their own special chalice to drink out of? Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen on the commercials. It's a uh, it looks like a church chalice, like you said, and it, it's clear. It always looks beer always looks so much better in a clear glass. Too, well, <laughs> you're kicking me in while awkwardly, I'm down. You're awkwardly <laughs> shaped glass too. You're, yeah, you're kicking me while I'm down because we normally drink out of. I have like this flight board that has like the perfect hourglass kind of thing, or, like tulip let. Uh, uh, the rim that? or whatever, and they're perfect for these beers. I washed them out, put them on my counter to remember, and walked right past them. 
So unfortunately, we won't be able to do it. But JP, uh, I have a picture of the can up there. It looks like uh, what? Just like almost like a sun. I guess it's an orange in the middle, but it looks like uh, kind of a sunset. Yeah, with like like a purplish outline. Purple and orange is blending. Yeah, it looks so like well uh, like south uh, southwest. I mean, the canes definitely shut shut the front door, but the taste I'd say is out of bounds. Oh yeah, okay. I, well, I like that. And then for mine, um, I'm going shut. Uh, I'm going shut the front door and the almost edging on Flavortown because it's really, really good. I'm going shut the front door still. And like I said before, it's so hard for me because I just think I hold shut or Flavortown at, with self with such esteem high above. Like, you have to crush it. And they do. It's really good, but uh, I'm going to go shut the front door. Mm-hmm. And I, I can um, uh, confirm that I have tried that beer as well, and I would say shut the front door is definitely the fair, yeah. fair assessment. Good. I'm I'm glad we're uh, copacetic on that. Now, uh, we're going to talk about some of the stuff to do in Pittsburgh this week. We have the wonderful women from Stuff to Do in Pittsburgh. They are going to tell everybody uh, some of the best stuff to do this weekend. So let's listen to that. Hey, Yinzers. Let's talk about what's happening this weekend. First up, we have Yinzer Palooza at PNC Park. That'll be July 29th. And, of course, it's going to be so much fun. It's the Pirates against the Phillies. So, you know, that's a great rivalry. And there's going to be a pregame pierogi eating contest that you got to participate in. And then uh, after the game, there's going to be a performance by Pittsburgh's very own the Clarks. So don't miss out on that one. Also, um, there's going to be a great concert at Hazelwood Green. It's free. It's July 31st, and it starts at 5 p.m. So don't miss that one either. Also, the Hills District Arts Festival is going to be July 30th and 31st. There will be lots of food trucks to purchase food from and lots of kids' activities for them to check out. There will also be Goat Fest PGH, and it'll float your goat. Uh, There's going to be goats like petting zoo and games for the kids, and it's at Southside Park on July 30th. Have a great weekend weekend, guys. Well, there you have it, everybody. The wonderful women from Stuff to Do in Pittsburgh. Uh, always killing it every week. Definitely uh, click through their weekend guide. Uh, they always have the best events, and they have like the links to get the tickets. They make it super convenient. They have the address, so it's not like, oh, these are the things to do, and then go figure it out on your own. They have everything set up for you. Um, JP, any of those stick out to you? I think that the Goats Fest would be the most interesting. Yeah, to see I, <laughs> what types of games they're playing? I'm. Uh, it says it says that it's at Southside Park, uh, July 30th from noon to 4 p.m. There's live music, working goats, which I'm. I don't know what that means. I guess maybe they like walk around or something. But there's a petting zoo too, so I don't know what a working goat versus the petting zoo. The, the, the I guess you'll have to go to find out. Um, yeah. And then there's a goat themed game called Escape Goat. Which I, I like a pun on that. Escape goat. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that seems like the most fun part would be the, I just want to know the process and how they play that game. What types of goats are they using? They're using children, how many goats, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. a lot more questions than answers. I yeah, think. I'm getting, well, can you ride a goat? I don't think you can ride a goat like a, a horse a or a mule. might be able to, but I don't think they're big enough for like a fully grown adult. To- are baby goats also called kids? Yes. Or am I thinking of something? Uh, I, I, believe, I believe you are correct. Okay. Well, yeah, there will definitely be kids there, JP. 
<laughs> more ways than one. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then it says petting zoo, artisan market, and tree adoption. So that all sounds interesting. I, I think that we got a, a pretty good set here for stuff to do in Pittsburgh. I think Yinzer Fest or Yinzer Palooza, that's going to be everything that's fun and good about Pittsburgh if you want to get together for that. And um, everything Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh will probably lose to the Phillies, and that'll be the, the beginning of that. Uh, they said there's it's a rivalry between uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, which I agree in hockey and stuff. But can you really be in a rivalry when your team is like garbage for that long? Like, do you do you think as a sports guy, JP? Do you think like how Pittsburgh just beat up on the Browns? I mean, they I mean historically they have, but like in the early two thousands and stuff, they were like the the Browns Steelers rivalry. It was the Brown it was the Steelers Ravens rivalry. Like, there was really no rivalry. Right. It has to be competitive or else it just yeah. you lose some of that element. There has to be, like, it has to be a 50-50 kind of toss-up. Like, the Ravens could have beat the Steelers in any of those playoff games, and the Steelers could have beat the Ravens. But the, when you're 4-12 and 12 or whatever, and, the, and you put out a different quarterback every week when you're the Browns, like, it's not really... I mean, Roethlisberger had the most wins in, in Cleveland Browns Stadium or whatever right. plus, until Baker Mayfield just passed him. Yeah, and plus the Philly rivalry is, like, in hockey, they're in the same division. Yeah. Where in baseball and football, that was not the case. And right. I feel like it kind of takes away from I think the, the football is probably the least... Rival, like I, they I, play the what yeah. the Eagles like every four years, maybe they'll play them in the preseason occasionally, but yeah, right. you rarely see. You know, um, funny fact uh, Pirates actually hold the head to head over the Phillies in terms of win loss record but this, this season or no, just forever, in, uh, throughout history. Well, well, okay. the, the 20s Pirates were better than the 20s <laughs> Phillies. Do you know that the Pirates were in the first World though. Series? I just I saw that today, yeah, them in uh, Boston, yeah, they lost in like 1903, yeah, I know. I don't, it's probably going to be another 100 and some years before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess so. We'll see. They're supposed to be on the up and coming, which is what we've heard since I was born in They, they also beat Philly last time. They played 6 nothing head-to-head. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of looking on what's positive. Well, hopefully they just play the Phillies all season then <laughs> because uh, they're not, you know, too much more than that. Uh, Hill District Arts Fest. Anything you see food trucks at, I'm always interested in. Uh, anything with local artists and stuff is always very cool. And then speaking of local artists, that concert, Summer Sounds, um, that's in Hazelwood, Hazelwood Green. And it seems like they're doing a lot of things there. They have, like, movies. I want to say last week they did a movie. They did, like, an Encanto showing. Um, and then they have, I guess, different uh, musicians. Uh, it says Funky Dogs Brass Band, I think they might be headlining. Uh, and they spell dog D-A-W-G, so you know that they're cool. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah, it's from it's July thirty first from five to eight. The only way they'd be cooler if they were dogs with a Z at the end. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there has to be another way to uh, that funky. Yeah, no funky, definitely brass band. Yeah, I like it. So maybe we'll stop. Maybe we'll do a, a poor man's podcast uh, show from there. Probably not. Um, <laughs> JP, let's wrap up the stuff to do in Pittsburgh because everybody loves sports guy JP and his picks. So we're gonna talk a little football because we have the the football training camp Steelers training camp starts tomorrow right yeah starting uh tomorrow I'm interested to see um it looks like the most competitive position right now is going to be seeing who's going to start left guard are they going to kick Kendrick Green over or are they going to you know start with Kevin Dotson who's been coming off an injury so there's like the only position battle I'd say and I'm you know at the quarterback position we'll see what they do there who do you think? Do you think they start with Mitch in the beginning of the year and then phase into Kenny Pickett? 
Uh, what I do think, you think? It's, it's, it's Trubisky's job to lose at the moment. They actually have Rudolph number two on the depth chart. Um, but I think it's really going to end up being Trubisky at, at one. Probably pick it at two with uh, Rudolph coming in and out at three. Maybe they uh, don't dress Pickett initially because well, that was the plan for Roethlisberger. And then Batch and Maddox both got hurt, which put him in the lineup. So I'm thinking maybe just to keep Pickett um, off the field and learn the system, they'll put Rudolph in it too and then try to you know work him into that second. I, I, I see them like saying that now and Rudolph too. I feel like that's almost like a PR thing. I don't think that I, they have any faith in Mason you. Rudolph. It might be that they just want to keep Rudolph around in case they do need him. Yeah. But... but uh, yeah, I think maybe if there's an injury in training camp and then something like that, but I don't see going into the season. And they have to be high on Pickett to take him in the first round when Malik Willis didn't go until like the third. Yeah, so. I mean after Pickett, yeah, I mean I don't remember ever a draft since I've been around where quarterbacks weren't fond after. Yeah, and uh. the thing is, like we're coming off a very strong quarterback year from a year ago with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and all them, and we're heading into a strong class next year with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So I feel like. The picket pick to me is more of a lateral move. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily love it. I love that he played ball here in Pittsburgh, and that you know there's no weather adjustments he needs to make or anything like that. Like there's a team in an organization that knows Kenny Pickett. It's definitely the Steelers. But you know, I look at it as I could give you a bike today, or you could wait a year and get a car. Yeah, and the Steelers took the bike. You know. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll we'll see how it plays out. Would you, you think they should have taken a different position in the draft altogether then? Yeah, I, I would have gone Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to wreck havoc at the center position. And ironically enough, he goes to Baltimore, who loves to just run that ball. I love it. Baltimore's draft. Yeah. Baltimore, I think. Him and Kyle draft. Hamilton, I think they drafted 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, edge rusher from Michigan, they added, who was a first-rounder, great, and then he got hurt. So, Do you, um, think, do you think – sorry, I'll let you finish, then I'll ask Okay, I was going to say that. And Travis Jones, at nose tackle from UConn, graded mid-second round by a lot of experts. They snagged him in round three. So I think Baltimore has rejuvenated where they are, and they got guys coming back that are going to be healthy. Baltimore is always they're – all, they're a well-run organization, yeah, as much yeah, as we I, don't I want to think that. Do you think, do you think Pittsburgh fans would be as uh, happy with the quarterback selection had Kenny Pickett gone to Maryland? Um, no. Are we excited because he went to Pitt? I think it's a combination, of, well, mainly because he went to Pitt. And like I said, with the weather factor, it's an easy transition. He's played here all this time. But again, like he was a four-year or f- four-year starter, but he didn't really blossom till his last years. Well, a lot of people can p- compare that to Joe Burrow, kind of. The, the last year, not that it was his senior year, right? He went out early. But the, the, the thing is, like, I do see a little bit of comparisons between Pickett and Burrow. It's just I see... Joe Cool, you know, Burrow has composure in the pocket. I see a little bit more panic in Kenny Pickett's game rather than Joe Burrow's. I think um, one thing Kenny does really well is he's he's mobile enough, but keeps his eyes downfield. Yeah. But it's more about fitting the ball into the tight windows. I don't see yet the way Mitch Trubisky is definitely more confident at throwing the ball into those tight-fitting windows. Yeah. But that can also lead to further turnovers. Pickett's more conservative for the football, I see. Yeah, I definitely see Trubisky starting and kind of him playing until there's a reason for him not to. But I don't think they're going to let him like go. I think they're going to be tough critics on him, too. Uh, plus, yeah. Kenny Pickett's an older quarterback. I mean, he's 24 at the start of the year. Trubisky's only a few years older than him, at, uh, 28 when the season starts. I think you could, 
I mean, Trubisky is second overall pick. He's been to a Pro Bowl uh, two times, made the playoffs with, you know, an organization that yeah. didn't support him. I, I, I think that there might be more left in the tank from Trubisky than I see in Pickett. He definitely has the pedigree. He's second overall pick, like you just said. Um, I think Chicago is a place where quarterbacks seem to go to die um, uh, other than Cleveland. It's they. I mean, who was the last good one? Jim McMahon? Yeah, and it's he won a Super Bowl. It's and yeah, it wasn't he was good. He, just, he was good enough. Yeah, he had the best defense probably ever in <laughs> yeah. a single season and maybe the best running back ever. Yeah. <laughs> Run first offense. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the biggest thing that concerns me about the quarterbacks and uh, the competition is – Kenny Pickett last year at Pitt averaged 3.919 seconds um, per attempt. That tied for third lowest among all quarterbacks in the FBS. And now he's come to the Steelers with Roethlisberger, who had the quickest release and an offensive line that's still rebuilding. Pickett's holding onto the ball too long, and it's not going to mesh well. But does Pickett have the mobility to allow him to hold onto the ball more? Because Roethlisberger was a tree. He had to get rid of it because he couldn't move. Um, compared to Roethlisberger, yes, but compared to NFL athletes versus college athletes, I'm going to say no. Okay, fair enough. Let's uh, let's get into some of the record projections before we take a break and come back with Rick Seaback. Um, what do you? Let's start with the Steelers, and then you have three like quality picks that you think people should look at going into the season. Yeah, so for an over and under win loss total, I have three picks I like, and we get into the Steelers as well. Um, Steelers, they set at seven and a half, which I think is fair in where I would set it. There, it's seventeen games, right? Because I, I feel yes. like I, I always forget that. So it's, it's going to be seventeen games for five years before I'm used to it. Yeah, so they, they, they're sensing a seven and ten or an eight and nine year, which is where I see the Steelers as well. I would say seven wins, so I would take the under. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with the kind of uncertainty at quarterback. Like they have, I think, the highest paid defense in the league. And they definitely have some studs there, but, you know, who they're, knows? They're very star-driven in def- on the defensive side of the ball. Um, T.J. Watt came Hayward and Micah Fitzpatrick, obviously, being the focal point of it. But you're one injury away from any of those guys to not having a guy in the secondary, yeah. not having a pure pass rusher. I mean... And when your offense is questionable, that's obviously key to yeah. have the solid defense. I mean, that's how they still had a winning record with Duck Hodges playing yeah. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they they were, like, scoring off. That was when Minka Fitzpatrick was, like, picking them off, yeah. like, regularly, right? P- yeah. People are saying, too, that uh, they're expecting better things from the Steelers of a quarterback who is more mobile, more fit for the Matt Canada offense rather than Roethlisberger was. But, I don't know, I watched the fourth quarter to many games last year. Ben came to life, I think. It's just, like, football IQ, the way to manage a game, especially against these teams in the AFC North. Yeah. You know, it, he found a way to win football games. I don't necessarily know if Trubisky finds ways to win. I don't even think it was his mobility as much as it was like his arm wasn't what it was. Like he couldn't pass the ball downfield with regularity. And he didn't have time. Yeah. Yeah. But I I still, I mean, you look at Brady's arm right now. It's as good as anyone's like, it's insane. I mean, not as good as anyone, Josh Allen and Herbert and Mahomes are all better, but like at 44, I've never seen a a quarterback with an arm like that. No, and I think Pro Football Focus graded him the best quarterback in terms of arm talent last season. All right, let's get back to uh, the the record thing, though. You said it was seven for the Steelers. I feel like that's going to be pretty pretty close. I would even go maybe on the under. It, it's a growing AFC North. It do, I mean, every team is one quarterback injury away from being garbage. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers, like we said, we do have kind of a lateral 
move if something were to happen to Trubisky. I mean, Rudolph has played a few games, so he has the experience. I just don't necessarily find him as a quarterback of the future either. Yeah, fair enough. Let's get into uh, your your value picks, I guess. Sure. So three ones that stick out to me. Um, this is through FanDuel, so anyone knows. Um, we're in Pittsburgh. Legalized gambling. It's great. Um, don't encourage you to do it if it becomes an issue. But like I say, if you can do it responsibly, these are my picks. I'd encourage you to go for. Um, first one, D- Dallas Cowboys. I'm taking the under here. They're set at ten and a half. Okay. Um, I see a growing division in terms of the other teams, but not Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly, I think, has improved more this offseason than anybody, and they were a playoff team last year. What's What's your take on Hurts? Uh, you Jalen like him? Hurts, uh, I, I like Hurts. I think that he's not a polished passer, but a lot of his natural talent in the run game and what he does is a, from a leadership standpoint, a coachability standpoint, factors in greatly with Philly. Um, Philly scored 30 points in minimally in seven games last year. Mm-hmm. They, they led the NFL in rushing despite not having a running back that gets away. Hertz led their team in rushing. I think that there's a lot of tangibles there. Wow. I didn't know Hertz ran, uh, led the team in rushing. Yeah, he had um, over 700 rushing yards, and there's a lot of coachability there, and I think that there's areas to grow that I like about Hertz. And not to mention, he's never had a dynamic offensive player with him that hasn't been on the offensive line well we'll see what smith and uh brown do this year Mm -hmm. so i I see philly growing as a very good force in the nfc which is going to slow down dallas i see chase young will be back for washington to rush the passer although washington does have a lot of off the field issues they do i think it's been a dumpster fire like behind the scenes that that's how washington is run Mm -hmm. it seems like it's always run like that but they also added carson wentz who i think is an uh, improvement to where they were. Not that he's great by any means. He also um, is familiar. I feel like Carson Wentz is like worse Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like I'm he's great. like good, but like at least Kirk Cousins. Like I feel like you're in it. Like I feel like he's in it. I feel like Kirk Cousins wants to win. I feel like Carson Wentz. I don't know. Yeah, there's questions. I mean, he, about that. he seems like almost textbook washed up. Like he was very like I thought he was going to be really good when he was in Philly, and then just kind of after the injury went downhill from there. Yeah, after the injury, it just wasn't what it was. He's, like, slightly better Mike Lennon. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I do see a, um improved Philly and Washington team. But I also see Mike McCarthy's under a lot of pressure and almost an unfair expectation, I think, in the organization. I think him and Jerry Jones just aren't seeing eye to eye, and they're looking for a way to lure Sean Payton or somebody else there if they can. Um, and not to mention, like, that they've lost Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson in the past game. Um, Laurel Collins and Randy Gregory are gone. Yeah. There's a lot of key departures here. And Dallas, the past few years, they're a great collection of talent, not necessarily the best football team. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Trayvon Diggs isn't getting 11 interceptions of this year. Like, yeah. they're not going to be getting those turnovers. He's one of those guys where it's like he gets a ton of picks, but he kind of, it's not like he's shutting everyone down. Right. Like, he yeah, gives well, up some yards. He gives up a lot of big plays, too. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be coming this year. We'll be seeing a lot more of exposure because he's not going to be reeling in 11 balls. Yeah. So you like Dallas under for that? Under 10.5. 10 is a very high number. I'm going to take the under. And okay. that division is so inconsistent. The winner of that division can get away with nine games. Yeah. All right. Let's go to your second one, I guess. My second one, I'm staying in the division. This one is mind-boggling to me. I'm going under hard. Giants are 7.5. What, what, what have they won? They still have... Uh, 
Danny Dimes, right? Danny Dimes, yeah. Uh, Who'd he ever be? The, his best play and his career was a catch. Yeah, or the <laughs> runway tripped over his own foot. Yeah, he's almost like uh, the Giants version of Mark Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, seven and a half, and get this, the Giants haven't won over seven and a half games since 2016. Since yeah. Daniel Jones has been there, they haven't come near seven wins. Yeah. They've, um, as a matter of fact, two of the past ten seasons, they've won eight games minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, PFF graded or maximum. Them, yeah, maximum. Sorry about that. Um, PFF graded them 31st in total offense and 25th in total defense last year. Their best player, <laughs> Saquon Barkley, is never available. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Galladay was a letdown this year. Um, offensive line continues to struggle. We see some promise with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal at the tackle positions, potentially. But, mm-hmm. but like we said the same thing when you know they brought in Nate Sorter and all these other guys. Offensive line there has been an issue since their Super Bowl runs. It's yeah. like Sean O'Hara. Yeah, it's Chris Snee and yeah. all of them are gone. It's... Giants have just not addressed the offensive line. Saquon Barkley was a reach, not because he's hurt, because you just you shouldn't pick a running back that early. Who's more of a risk, Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey? Uh, I think McCaffrey's a better ball player, and I don't know. He just gets they, there's such high volumes in the position of where it is that you could see any injury coming. I think McCaffrey is probably slightly more prone to injury, though. Yeah, I kind of agree. Kind of has the higher. Barkley is his built forward. like his thighs are the size of me, right? Right. Yeah, Barkley's <laughs> just I feel like a stronger athlete. That's one of it. All right, so um, we have Cowboys under Giants under Giants under Giants also and only NFC team found a Pro Bowler last year. No, yeah, they're not a good team. No, I think they have potential to be the worst team in the league. And seven and a half. Uh, I was surprised. I was thinking before I saw it, it'd be like five and a half. Yeah, but seven and a half. You, that's an easy under in my opinion. All right, let's get to your last one. Third and final pick, we touched upon it briefly, and I hate to say it, but I'm going to take an over here on 10.5 for Baltimore. Oh, a lot of people are up on Baltimore this year. Uh, I'm up because they're coming back healthy. Um, the, the Super Bowl hangover for the loser is real. Like you, It's happened multiple times. Cincinnati, I think, has taken a backseat this year. They're going to be competitive and in the playoffs, but not as dominant. Yeah. I mean, once you get on that playoff run, you look great. But like, you see a lot of teams though, like come back, they're not as good, and then they get to this the the playoffs and they turn it on. Right, that's exactly what I saw. Like, like the Chiefs do that sometimes. Like Vegas had a shot to t- take them out, but like there's a question, couple questionable calls fall in Cincy's favor. They mm-hmm. advance. I mean, that's the reality of the game. Cincy was also one of the healthiest teams last year. That's huge every yeah. year. So are the Rams. That's what who that's who wins Super Bowls. Tampa Bay the year before, super healthy, and then they collapse in the Rams game because they're hurt everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore to start the year, out three running backs, two yeah. corners. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Lamar missed some time. They finished third in the NFL in rushing despite playing with guys off the uh, street. Believe me, I had Ravens running backs on my fantasy team. I, I know how little they played. <laughs> <laughs> and despite all this, they finished with... Uh, and above, uh, I think they finished eight, nine, nine, and eight around there. They were competitive up till the final week of the season, and that was with all these injuries. They're the best, well-reigned organization in the division, in my opinion, including Pittsburgh at this moment. Yeah, um, Lamar Jackson's just built different. Um, they had the best draft in the NFL, like I said this past year, and they have a third-place schedule. That's that's nice. that's huge. So that, the, the, yeah, yeah, they're playing the Falcons, Jets, Giants, Jags, and Panthers all this year. Yeah, not to mention the division could go plus the Steelers, plus yeah. the, who knows what's going on in Cleveland. Uh huh. Since Joe Burrow's injury prone too, like 
I, I think Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in the game, he's or good. like he will be in the next two years. Yeah, but Marlon Humphrey is a great corner too, who he didn't have to face a single time last year. I'm yeah. interested to see what happens. Yeah. That secondary is built specifically to beat Cincinnati. I think. Plus, we'll see if people you know catch up on players. You know, they, they you, you see they learn they learn about them mm-hmm. and they they have some tape on them now. And they get to play uh, New England and Miami both in September. Belichick struggles in September. Dolphins look different with a new coach. We'll see how they are in September. They might be able to steal a couple wins early. All right. So for everybody, one last time, we have we have um, Cowboys under ten and a half, Giants under seven and a half, and we're going to take Baltimore over ten and a half. Well, there you have it, everybody. Write it down right now. JP's picks. Um, let's take a break now, and uh, we'll come back shortly with uh, Pittsburgh legend Rick Seaback. I'm Sierra Sellers, and you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 565 Live in Bellevue. We are here with our special guest, who we can't be more excited for, Mr. Rick Seaback. Rick, how are you doing tonight? Uh, no complaints. I feel really good. I mean, this place is really cool. There we go. There's the applause. I normally have a sound guy that does it. <laughs> tonight, tonight I'm doing video and audio, so it's a little delayed. You'll have to forgive me. But we cannot be more excited. I don't, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a guest. Thanks. Nothing against the other guests. I'm excited all the time, but yeah, it's, the, it's a legend right here. Hey, that seems weird. You kept saying that, a legend. <laughs> you are. You are for, at least for me. I, I, love, I love the doc, which is weird for a kid, I think. To really be into a documentary, um, like for for I don't know for like some some of the things you know I'd like to watch a cartoon or a sport thing. I don't want to watch the Squirrel Hill Tunnel thing. And the older I get, and like I I well even back then I was interested in it. And I think you have a way with words that makes everything seem interesting. Cool. No, that's a ve- that's very nice of you. That's a compliment. I, yeah, I didn't mean it to sound no, rude in the beginning. Thinking, <laughs> no, I oh no, I I just think uh, and I you know from even some shows I did when I worked in South Carolina for public television, you know, kids are the hardest audience. There's yeah. no question. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I can remember the first time this twelve year old called me and said, "Hey," I, I, he said, "I just want you to know I know Kennywood memories by heart." Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how how we were like yeah. growing up. I, I was. And the odd thing is, he said he wanted to come see us work, and I was working on the strip show at the time. <laughs> yeah. And he said, "My dad will bring me down. Yeah, you tell me when." So I said, "Well, Saturday's obviously the best day to be in the strip." And he, his father brought him down. We got. The, if you see the strip show, I always say it's where's Andrew because <laughs> yeah, he's in it like eight times. <laughs> Um, once even identified by a vendor as, what's your name? He says, Andrew. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, he's 12 years old, but I still know him. Oh, wow. And, you know, he, he worked for KDKA Radio for a while, and he works for that group of radio stations up in Green Tree. Oh, okay. And, uh, no, and we're still friends. Uh, you know, he went to Point Park to school and everything. And Wow. You know, I'm guessing he's in his late 30s now. That's, that's crazy. And how old was he? Well, he was did 12, you... I think. Oh, wow. That, so, it's, I've been a QED 35 years, so things like that can happen. You I know? was just going to ask how long you've been there and kind of how how you got into starting there. I'm kind of interested in your entire path. Like, how well, growing up, is this something you wanted to do, or what did you want to be when you were little, and how did you go on the path to starting making films and documentaries? I don't think I ever really knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't a kid who had a drive to you know, be on television or anything like that. Um, 
my mom uh, was very active in uh, the Bethel Park Community Theater. Oh, okay. Stage 62. And it's now in uh, Carnegie. And it's going to be 60 years old this year. <laughs> oh, wow. They asked me to be the MC for their party. Oh, wow. Which is amazing to me to think, like, wow, yeah, I can remember the first show. I <laughs> oh, saw the first show in yeah. 62. I would have been nine years old. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, because of that, I think I was aware and, you know, I did, you know, class plays in high school and stuff like that. And actually, we had one really great teacher, Paul Moshnick, um, and he realized there were a bunch of us that year that were interested in that kind of thing. And we had an experimental theater okay. at Bethel Park high school mm-hmm. um, called theater 400 it was in room 400 i mean we did bizarre things yeah. I, you know to this day i think like wow yeah like, this is really daring and and stuff like that and i mean we did a sam shepherd play I mean, yeah it was like sam shepherd was still like really weird and <laughs> uh-huh. off off broadway and stuff but we did a little play and um i think people just didn't pay attention to us a lot yeah was it original stuff you were coming up with, or were you doing you know, no, versions no. of other things? We were we did mostly plays that we found. I remember, I know, this is so weird. I, I was a foreign exchange student. <laughs> what? To Brazil. When I was wow, in that's interesting. Yeah. My brothers in uh-huh. Brazil, my foreign exchange brothers, had a Playboy. Okay. <laughs> and in the Playboy, there was a play by Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. Called Fortitude. Which was never produced. Yeah. Uh, it was a screenplay, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and I read it. Uh-huh. I read an article in Playboy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I read it. That's what everyone says, right? I read a play, Playboy, and I ripped it out uh-huh. of my brother's Playboy magazine. Yeah, get rid of that. They didn't yeah. read English. So what yeah. They, um, and I brought it back. And uh-huh. we actually did that. We oh, did, wow. We did that as one of the plays. And actually, my friend Marianne played the lead in it. I still know her. She lives in Mount Washington. You know, some good, good stuff came out of Theater 400. Um, but anyway, so I was involved in all of that and mm-hmm. did lots of theater in high school. Um, but uh, when I went to school, I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Okay. And uh, I always knew that I'd be an English major. Essentially, uh, mm-hmm. I like to read. I like to write. Um, but I double. I, I, I sort of set my path on a English and theater. Uh-huh. And I, I did start that, and I was in a couple of plays there. And then one Saturday, I was all of us in the theater. You know, the young, the, I guess, freshmen in the theater class mm-hmm. were asked to go to Raleigh, North Carolina, to this TV station where students from the tv school were doing a saturday workshop Mm -hmm. and i went there and i just i thought the teacher was so great i said i want to take a class with him oh yeah they said well you have to be a major and i said well i'll I'll be a major (laughs) yeah i don't care so i changed my major from theater to what the university of north carolina then called rtvmp Radio, television, motion pictures. Oh, okay. It's now the College of Communication or something yeah. like that. That's a lot easier to say. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's really what got me interested in TV and learning how to direct. And That shows certain- how much that like uh, a good teacher can influence no what you question. do. Yeah. No question. I've always thought that. You know, a teacher and that teacher's enthusiasms can really have an effect on kids. I've had, growing up, I'm lucky, I, I always love math. 
But I've always had really good math teachers too. And I wonder if that is more because I like it or because somebody made it enjoyable for me or if it's a little bit of both probably. Yeah, no, no. I, I, you know, I, I can still remember classes, individual classes where you just think like, wow, this teacher yeah. really makes this live. It's yeah. not like they're just getting to the next class. They're enjoying every time we come in. Exactly. And, and it definitely makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I've been in, uh, I've studied literature and poetry and all sorts of like writing th- throughout my career. And I never got into it till near the end of high school necessarily. I've had a lot of teachers where it just seemed like spit the plot b- back to me, comprehend. But I never really understood how to analyze literature till my last year, or maybe my junior year of high school, where I finally had a teacher that made me appreciate the content. And I, yeah, I think it's great if you could use that to steer it and like you're able to launch like a successful TV career out of it. And I think it's just great that like if you can find someone who's capable to influence someone to contribute better, or follow their dreams or whatever it is, you know, it really makes all the difference. Right. There's no question. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so what was the path from being there at the School of Communications, right? Uh, so, to, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would talk about it and stuff. My mother mm-hmm. sent me an article out of the old Pittsburgh Press. Oh, okay. Uh, that said, Josie Carey is doing a children's soap opera in South Carolina. Uh-huh. Well, Josie Carey was on WQED. The, the, she was on the first show we made, which was a, called Children's Corner with Josie Carey and Fred uh-huh. Rogers. Uh. 1954. Um, and she was doing a show in South Carolina called Wee. Oh, yeah. W-H-E-E-E exclamation point. <laughs> it sounds and fun. It wasn't just a children's soap opera, but it had a children's soap opera in it. Oh, okay. Bertha Beetle's Boarding House for Bugs, the day-to-day true life story <laughs> that asked the question, can a lonely little ladybug, you know, manage a, a boarding house? And you know, I can't oh, remember yeah. the rest of it, but that's the way it's yeah, yeah. It's like an old radio drama. Oh, okay. Done with puppets. And uh, they got sort of the premier voices of Columbia, South Carolina, to do <laughs> yeah. the monarch butterfly, that yeah. was, you know, like sort of uh, W.C. Fields and yeah, yeah. various different things. It, it was real. When I saw it, I was just like amazed at how the quality of it. Um, but I, I, I saw it because I wrote Josie a letter and I said, I'm a TV student in North Carolina. You're in South Carolina. Uh, I'm looking for a summer internship. And she said, why don't you come down on your... I said, I remember her from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, and she said, come down on your spring break. We'd like to meet you. So I went down. They said, great, let's do this. And I, I did a summer internship in the summer of 1973 at uh, the PBS station in Columbia, South Carolina, um, which is part of the SCETV network. In South <laughs> Carolina, it's a very rural state. Yeah. They have stations all over the state. The, the center is in Columbia, the capital. Um, and so I went there for that summer, uh, and just, I loved it. I just really loved yeah, it. Yeah. So um, then I went away to Europe for a year. I did my junior year abroad uh-huh. in France. And when I came back, Josie said, come back and work with us. So this, that was technically the second time you studied abroad then, at right. that point. I've done, yeah, I did, uh, I did a summer, three months in uh-huh. Brazil when I was in high school, and then a year in France when I was in college. And um, I went back and I worked with Josie in 74. And uh, after I graduated from college in 76, 
I started looking for a job, and I was looking and looking and looking and looking and sending out resumes. And mm-hmm. back when you used to have to type everything. So where were you at this point? Were you still in North Carolina, or were you? I was back? in North Carolina yeah. a lot. I was back here in Pittsburgh. I mean, I grew up in Bethel Park. My parents were still in Bethel Park. Um, and actually, I was here when a girl that I had been in France with, whose mother worked for a bank, yeah. saw something go across her desk. <laughs> and she made a copy of it. Uh-huh. She said, it looks like someone's going to make a movie in Chapel Hill this summer. Uh-huh. And her boss at the bank had something to do with the frat house where they were going to put everybody <laughs> okay. And so anyway, I, yeah. there's enough information that I then contacted them and I said, I know Chapel Hill. Uh-huh. Um, I'd like to work on a movie. And they said, great, let's do it. And uh they hired me to be like a, a grunt thing, but I quickly moved up in their thing because I knew the town and no one else did. Everybody else was from uh, yeah. Philly or New York or wherever. And we made a little movie Yeah, um, uh, that when we were shooting, it was called Country Boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was essentially the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors. Okay. <laughs> Told with a Porsche of many colors, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, but the father gave the the youngest son a Porsche that was, uh-huh. sort of was painted like Peter Max. If you <laughs> okay, know, sort of psychedelic painted. Yeah, Porsche. yeah. <laughs> and his brothers were very jealous. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so uh, I worked on that movie. It was later released. My parents saw it here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, it was called. Teenage Graffiti. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, not American Graffiti. I was going to say, wait, that sounds familiar, and yeah, I was like, no, American that's American Graffiti. graffiti. Teenage Graffiti. It was a ripoff. <laughs> um, the great value made version. It enough, you know, and actually, I found a DVD of it eventually uh-huh. um, on like a, you know, two sleazy, cheesy movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. And uh, so I worked on that, and uh, then, you know, uh, after that, and I couldn't find a job, I was, you know, desperately looking, and uh, South Carolina called me one day and said, hey, we, we got a big contract to do an energy conservation film for the federal government. Uh, we need a production assistant. Are you interested? And I yeah. said, yes. Yeah. And I went back, and I was working on that, and I hated it. I hated the script. I hated everything. Yeah. And I rewrote the script. Oh, okay. And I... I can't believe the hot spot. <laughs> I was going to say, and did you give it back and say, this is how it, it should have? Yeah. I gave yeah. it to the writer and I said, here's how I would do this. <laughs> and she said, um, You're fired. Well, it's really, well, no, she said, this is very interesting. She said, it's really good and fun. And she said, but mine has been through mountains of approvals at the mm-hmm. federal level. Mm-hmm. And we can't start yeah. that whole process over. She said, but there's an opening in our department for a writer. Why don't you apply? Oh, okay. Well, then she must have liked what you wrote. Yes. Yeah. So, and uh, that's how I became what they first called a writer developer and then later a writer producer and all of that. And I worked at South Carolina Public Television, South Carolina ETV uh, for 11 years. Oh, okay. And uh, I did all kinds of things. I, yeah. I mean, I did a lot of grunt work. I did a lot of public service announcements. Uh, and then I got linked up. Uh, first I did, I, you know, another girl I knew in college <laughs> went to work for Doubleday Books okay. in New York. And one day she called and said, you know, I have to add people to their reviewers list. And I know that you worked for the, I also worked for the Daily Tar Heel while I was in college. Oh, okay. Is that North Carolina's newspaper? That's UNC's Yeah, newspaper, right. Yeah. Student one. And so, uh, 
and I wrote reviews. And she said, could I put your name on the review list? I said, sure. And then I started yeah. to get boxes of books every week. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got a lot of books yeah. from Doubleday. And uh, then I contacted the newspaper and I said, can I write book reviews for you? I get all these books. Oh, yeah. And so because of that, then someone at the station said, why don't you come on my arts show um, mm-hmm. and read your reviews like Gene Shalit does. On yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I said, great. So yeah. I did that, and then I did that for that sounds fun. A month or two, and then the guy who ran the nightly show said, "I really like those things you do on the art show. Come on my show, you'll get a bigger audience." Yeah, I like that because you're you're really taking the initiative here. Where like when people are getting into an entry level job or trying to get their feet in somewhere, whether it's for the first time, you're fresh out of college. I just like that you took the initiative to like rewrite a script and you know be proactive <laughs> about things and be right. Like, and obviously, it paid uh-huh. off for you. It's, so, it's a very you know high risk that you know really paid off in the long run. That's kind of what like I was saying about like having a nice teacher. Just having somebody like enthusiastic about what you're doing makes everything like way smoother and it's way more enjoyable. Right. Well, I mean, and then so I stayed 11 years in South Carolina working for South Carolina ETV. Yeah. I mean, and it became stupendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and, you know, I, there was just a thing in the New York Times this week about friends at work. Yeah. So important. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you probably spend more time with people at work than anyone. Right. Yeah, so, I've, I've thought about that before <laughs> because when I started working at my job, initially it was just me and my boss, and I was like, wow, I see him more than my girlfriend. Like, <laughs> if you don't count sleeping time, like time awake, like, right. you probably yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. No, and so, I mean, I had great, great friends, and I loved people that I worked with, and uh, I mean, I still know them and talk to them and, you know, text all the time. Oh, it sounds like it if you remember the 12-year-old from the strip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, friends are, 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 are so crucial. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, uh, a guy that I had worked with in South Carolina uh, who had moved on to the public television station in Denver Mm -hmm. called me one day. And he said, Rick, there's an ad in Broadcasting Magazine, which is a trade journal. There's an ad in Broadcasting Magazine. You should answer. And I said, why? And he Mm -hmm. said, it's in Pittsburgh. And I said, do I want to go back to Pittsburgh? (laughs) And he said, you never see a big station like WQED advertising for a local producer. Yeah. Which is essentially what I was doing in South Carolina. Uh-huh. He said, you should send a tape. So my station in South Carolina had just sent me to Australia for 28 days. I was <laughs> loving my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it was really great. And oh, wow. So, uh, of course, that's when you get a new job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you don't need it. Yeah. Um, I sent in a tape uh, of the... We did sort of a, the cameraman who I worked with, Buck Brinson, who I worked with in, on the, in Australia, before we left, he said, well, in addition to the program we're going to make, which was about an arts festival, mm-hmm. um, the Spoleto Arts Festival in Melbourne, he said, let's do another documentary about our trip. Oh, yeah, like yeah. A travelogue mm-hmm. and a goofy yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we made a show called The Slightly Wacky Aussie Daco. <laughs> um, because in Australia, everybody say, oh, you're making a daco. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sounds... I thought it was so important that we say Aussie, but they never say Aussie. Mm-hmm. Aussie. Oh, okay. You know, even though it's Australia, they say Aussie when you shorten it. But uh-huh. they, they shorten words and add O on the end of words. Uh, it's like hockey. when you give a hockey player a nickname. Like they <laughs> oh, actually, someone in the show talks about that. You know, oh, really? Like, wow. you know, if the name is short, we add something on. Yeah, yeah. If the name is long, we cut it short. Yeah. Um, it's like Halsey Cross. Or like exactly. Cross is like something different, but it's either O or E at the end of everyone's yeah. name. 
Um, and so, uh, anyway, uh, WQED called and said, we'd like to meet you. Why don't you mm-hmm. come visit your parents? Oh. They didn't even, I always hold it against them. They never, they didn't even pay for me to come to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, we recommend you stop. I came up parents. and had, uh, when I came, the woman said, please plan to spend the day. Mm-hmm. And I think I had like eight interviews. Yeah. And I thought like, wow, this is extensive. Yeah. And I thought, you know, like, how long is this going to take? <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, they offered me the job. Oh. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were still things I wanted to do in South Carolina. Yeah. And I said, I need some time to make this decision. Uh-huh. And they gave it to me. Oh, so, wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, then when I, I came to Pittsburgh in 1987, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I've ever regretted it. Yeah. It's, it was lonely at first. I, I left all my friends behind. You know, you have to make a whole new set of friends. So you kind of had to restart when you came back. Yeah. But it was okay. And, yeah. And... Uh, you know, uh, I, I can't complain about, you know, what they've allowed me to do at WQED. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what, like, me growing up here, if you would have stayed there. Like, what my childhood and what growing up. Like, nice. I went Thanks. to Central Catholic and I had a Pittsburgh history class in there. And I want to say I've seen four or five of your documentaries in that. And then just from watching WQED and stuff, I, I always love watching it. My, I had a question about some of them for you. And it was, which one do you think people recognize you for the most? Like, if they see you on the street, they say, oh, you're the one who narrated. Oh, which mean, one do you get noticed for the most? Oh, no question. Kennywood Memories. Kennywood Memories? I mean, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. If you go outside Pittsburgh, it's a hot dog program. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I love a hot dog program. Uh, we were actually going to touch on that. Yeah, I, was say, I got to watch that for the first time, actually, a couple uh, days ago. I saw they have a giant poster sign of it at D's, Six Packs and Dogs. No, you know, after they closed, it's gone. Oh, is it missing now? It used oh, to be on that door. Yeah, yeah, on the door. Okay. And, and I wondered if something happened, you know, when that smoke in the was in there yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I would say, I'll give them a new one because I have yeah. I have them. I, I, I should talk to Dino about that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I've seen it multiple times, and I was just wondering um, – in your in your take, where do you think like D's ranks among like hot dogs in Pittsburgh? Do you think it's top notch, or would you say like the originals when that was around, or what would you say is your favorite hot dog in Pittsburgh? Well, uh, oddly enough, we were editing a hot dog program at WQED one evening when the guard came back. And uh-huh. said, There's a gentleman here who wants to talk to you, and I came out and he said, "I I just we just heard through the grapevine that you're doing a show about hot dogs, and we're going to open a hot dog shop in Regent Square." Well, I was living in Regent Square. Yeah. And I said, where? And he says, in the gun shop. And I said, <laughs> this is like what everyone dreams of. Yeah. The yeah. gun shop becoming a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. <place."> yeah. <laughs> and then they, they bought the, the uh, dry cleaner next door. Right. You know, to make that other room. So, you know, first it was just the gun shop and then there. And, uh, you know, so D's didn't exist when we uh, made a hot dog program. Um, the Last story in the show, however, is the O, which I think was a really, really great yeah. dog place um, and uh, a great leveler. I'm, the woman who hired me at WQED, Nancy Lavin, she always said the O is the most urban place in Pittsburgh. It's a place where everyone comes. And at that point, it was open 24 hours a day. Yeah. 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 Um, and I love to tell the story that the first program mm-hmm. I made at WQED um, was about organ transplants. Oh, okay. Because in 1987, when I came here, uh, Pittsburgh was the world capital of organ transplants. Wow. Oh, okay. More organ transplants were done in Pittsburgh that year than in the rest of the world combined. Wow. Wow. Yes, because of Dr. Starzl. 
uh-huh. um, who had brought cyclosporin, which was the anti-rejection drug. Okay. He had done a lot of work in Denver, and they, they lured him away from Denver to bring oh, him here. Okay. And, and, what, and what year did you say this was? Sorry. 1987. Okay. So I did a show. My first show at QED was called Transplant Town, mm-hmm. and we did it because this group called TRIO, okay. Transplant Recipients International Organization, TRIO, was having their world meeting here that year and they said we're going to have a program that's on while this meeting of transplant recipients happens and uh you know so i had to start learning all about organ transplants and all of this but i didn't want it to be too stuffy Mm -hmm. um and uh i mean the the joke of the program if you ever get to see it occasionally it airs uh is i was trying to think like what can i do and uh the show has all organ music Oh, okay. <laughs> it's never mentioned. But yeah. If you're listening, it's like, why, why are you hearing this organ? It's because it's organ transplants. Um, anyway, uh, we also wanted to see if we could be in the operating room with Dr. Starzl. Oh, okay. And we went through the, all the rigmarole to get that. They had some footage that mm-hmm. we knew existed, but we wanted to see if we could shoot our own. And so, you know, you had to be up at like four o'clock. You had to, you know, get. Hooded, I mean, a hairnet and all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all suited up and everything and all the camera equipment and things. All, and it was a lot more camera equipment back then than it is now. And uh, so we did all of that. We get there and, you know, getting ready and we're all ready and everything. And something happened in the, and the organ didn't show up. Oh, no. Something went wrong with the donor organ. Uh-huh. So they canceled everything. Oh, no. And it was probably like 730 in the morning. Yeah. And uh, we had gone back up to his office with Dr. Starzl, and he goes, oh, I, I am famished. Let's go to the O. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the first time I went to the O. Oh, really? It was, with Dr. It was 1987. I, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, at like 8 in the morning? Yes. It was wow. open 24 hours a day. Yeah. And he said, yes, I want to go get a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we walked down the hill with Dr. Starzl, went in, and he goes, I don't have any money. And he goes, I'll find a med student. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, but, and, and then, you know, I, I love the O. Uh, hot dog places, I think D's is extraordinary. I mean, I really like it. Um, I also like uh, Jim's Hot Dogs in West Mifflin. Okay. Um, familiar. And uh, if they had natural casing wieners yeah they would win uh-huh. because they're so careful yeah and they have the best toppings oh they yeah yeah usual toppings um if you get a i, mean, I don't like sauerkraut I yeah mean, i'm I, with I, you I'll, I'll put up with it yeah yeah but if you get a kraut dog there uh-huh it has they have a special secret sauce too okay i won't tell you what's in it yeah um which i like yeah <laughs> so there's a secret sauce oh yeah it makes it better secret sauce onions and sauerkraut mm-hmm. they put the sauerkraut they take the sauerkraut and they put it on the flat top and they grill oh okay and then that's like a crust on it kind of well though. a little crust yeah, and then yeah they put it on top of the hot dog and they put it under a broiler till the ends of the uh, uh sauerkraut turn black yeah i think that's brilliant yeah it's really good it becomes crunchy i was sauerkraut. gonna say it has more of a texture than and completely yeah. different so that's jim's hot dogs i like them um I also like Shorty's in Washington, PA. I don't oh, know if okay. You've ever been okay. there. Yeah, it's 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 a good little place. In fact, I did a show for recently, a couple three years ago, for my uh, Nebby series called Meet Pittsburgh. I watched that yesterday. Yeah, in the the last, well, the, actually, the first shot uh-huh. is a woman at a Shorty's. Oh, is that where that is? Yeah, screaming out an order, and then <laughs> the last story is Shorty's because uh, we had gone to that packing place. Uh, 
in uh, Washington, PA. Mm-hmm. Um, because Silver Star used to make hot dogs here. In fact, they made the hot dogs for the O. Oh, okay. But they, okay. they don't make anything in McKee's Rocks anymore. Huh, yeah. Everything's made in Michigan. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, they still make hot dogs down there at Albert's Meats. Oh, okay. In Washington, okay. PA. And uh, they make skinless and uh, natural casing wieners. I can find them at the Giant Eagle. Oh, yeah. And I, and I really like their stuff, so... Uh, you know, uh, that's something when you get older and have like a more refined palate when you're not just like the kid with the, the ketchup on it. Like when you get that nice crack from the casing, no question, I it's think, so good. And the juices, like, oh yeah, and the whole hot dog with the toppings, whatever you have. Natural casing is the I, I, I say is is the crucial factor. Oh yeah. Um. So, um. But you know, uh, I can't. Remember. How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about. I have. I since you brought the hot dog up. It's something we discuss on the show regularly, and I think I believe you questioned at the beginning of the show is whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. Did you did you uh, come down on one side or the other? No. Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. Well, I'm asking you in general then. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I think yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's meat between bread, you know. Uh, yeah, it's in the sandwich yeah. family. The The best argument I've heard is like a submarine sandwich is essentially the same elongated oh, yeah. hot dog bun. Right. And that's considered a, a sandwich. Right. Right, yeah. Spiritually, I don't know if it's it feels like one. Because I saw it like listed under a sandwich with like uh, a club sandwich and a burger and like a chicken sa- a sandwich and then a hot dog. And it just didn't feel right. But I guess it is. I can understand the dilemma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's more uh, of a moral question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's a good point. If you if you if you get like a big smoked sausage, right. is that a sandwich? Yeah, as opposed to a hot dog. At what point is is the is Actually, the line? I was more, when you were talking about <laughs> the sandwich you had upstairs, when I did the sandwich program, sandwiches that you will like, we asked everyone we interviewed, uh-huh. what's more important, the bread or the filling? Uh, I mean, there's no there's no given answer, but you said you loved the bread. At this yeah, time. that's the first time I would say, like, the bread took the cake, because I would 100% of the time always say the filling, because, like, I, I definitely love my bread, but I feel like that's more of something to compromise on. Like, I could take any bread and manage what I'm eating as long as the filling's good inside. But I tell you what, uh, the uh, meatball hoagie here at uh, 565, I tell you, it was it was good. The, the breading was impressive. Excellent. I love those little, like, Bellevue is really good for it. There's, you know, a couple little, like, kind of diner feels. Uh, Dari Villa next door is really good. There's one, I think Joe's Rusty Nail across the street. They're just nice. Come in, get a good breakfast kind of thing. And I love it because it's walking distance for me. And I, 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 I love Bellevue. I, I, like, I've only been here for probably a year and a half, but, you know, since I've been doing the, or I guess it's been longer than that. Jeez, where has time gone? It's been like three years, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I love it here. Um, you sent me a picture uh, for putting, uh, when I was putting together the little collage for everything, and it, you're holding up this candy bar. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about what that is? For the people watching, it's coming up on the screen. Okay. Uh, it was, I, I just, I can't, I, I, I was looking as an old photo album uh-huh. because it was someone's birthday, and I was looking for pictures of her, uh-huh. and I saw that when I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, so this would have been, what, in the 80s? Uh, it would have been in the mid eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, it's in Montreal. Okay, so this is before you came back to Pittsburgh. Before I came okay. back to Pittsburgh, and uh, I had uh, scanned it because I still have a four-way text with 
some friends from South Carolina who uh-huh. I worked with, and I was going to put these pictures of my friend Sandy uh, up for her birthday, and I saw that, and I knew that one of the other guys on the four-way text, Buck, who used to be my cameraman, took that picture of me in Montreal. Uh-huh. And I'm holding up a Mr. Big candy bar. <laughs> yeah. My head. Um, and it was just, you know... A goofy moment. Oh, yeah. But no, I, the reason I, I even brought it up is because you were saying the mid-80s, and I was thinking, well, this is probably where you were kind of at that point in your life, what, so people can kind of put a picture to where you would have been at that right. time. Right. That's about when I came to QED. Not, I would have come to QED not long after that. Uh, there's an international public television conference called Input. Okay. International Public Television. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I always uh, love the acronyms that they kind of go out of their way to make it work. Yeah, but that works okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That one does. Some of them are like, okay, you're putting extra or, or letters the in there. acronyms that are one letter less than the actual word. I hate that, yeah. <laughs> the abbreviations for stuff like that. But uh, we interrupted you for something dumb, so go on, please. <laughs> no, no, that was it. That was just, I, that's why I was in Forgot Montreal, and we were looking at you know Canadian candy bars. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if we have Mr. Biggs here or not. I've never I seen I've it. I've never seen one, no. But. I've just heard of the, the band, I think. They they do Next to Be With You, right? Isn't that Mr. Big, Jeremy? I, I, I'm a candy fan and a music fan, but I don't know either one of these. Uh, we'll have to check it out. <laughs> I knew we'd need a reason to search the internet, Jeremy. Mr. Big. That's like vaguely Come on, familiar. little girl. Oh, that, that's familiar. Yeah, okay. okay. Something like Mr. that. I'll have to dig up my old cassettes and see if I can Yeah, I didn't practice my voice today, so we <laughs> won't get too far into that. Um, so when you're making films and stuff, you, you narrate a lot, you produce, um, you write. What What's your favorite aspect of putting together a film? Uh, all of them. Okay. I mean, I, I love the variety of that. Yeah. And I love that, you know, sometimes you're out and you're talking to people um, and, uh, you know, I, I love the research. I love the gathering of material and working with a crew and, you know, interviewing people and trying to get good B-roll, you know, with just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. happening and stuff like that. And, uh, that's interesting. I also love the editing. Yeah. You know, um, I, I never thought, and especially in documentaries, you need the B-roll and the, the background things. Yeah. How, how do you determine, you just try to get people like going about their day like it seems yeah. like most of it you kind of want it to be candid yeah we I, I mean we want people to do stuff that they would normally do if we weren't there right um and you know uh it's funny because i think uh like you mentioned guy fieri at the beginning <laughs> yeah like i i know that when he does a thing they, they shut the place down yeah we have never done that uh-huh we want all the people. We want the. We want to catch. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like, keep it as natural as possible. Rather, right. Than yeah. That's why, like, like if you watch like a main versus food episode, I, I love that they're interacting with the people who are specifically there. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, we used to love that. We would call it. It's funny because some of the shows were done before uh, nonlinear editing. Okay. Uh-huh. And these things were harder to do back then. We always called them an explosion of voices when we had interviewed a lot of people, mm-hmm. like at a place, at a hot dog place or yeah. something like that. Um, by the time we get the hot dogs, we're, we're into in, uh, nonlinear editing, which makes, made them a lot easier. Okay. <clears throat> because you didn't lose quality when you move things around. Um, but uh, So it, it, would, it would hurt the quality if you had to like edit and rearrange? Days, when you came okay. down a generation, when you, you said, oh, I want to uh, move that over there. And then you'd lose a generation. So it's like a copy of a copy of a copy, and then you lose it throughout. Yeah, okay. yeah you lose quality. So um, that used to be a concern. It's not a concern anymore. Yeah. I mean, 
it's yeah, it's still it's still fun and energizing. I think when you get to the editing process to see these things start to come together and what how can you mix things up and all of that. So. Yeah, I, I want to ask like how's like the, the market for things out like like growing up. I love going to like Blockbuster and getting a video. <laughs> like you know how has like the distribution from like video to DVD streaming and all that for like you how has that like been different in terms of how you approach things or market no, I, yourself? I, just, or? I think people don't buy hard copies anymore. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. it's hard. I mean, we still sell them. Yeah, and I, you know, um, but uh, actually, I, I put an Amy Winehouse yeah. <laughs> uh, DVD in my player yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was, the, and I thought, like, why well, haven't looked at this DVD? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything is just so easy to stream or whatever, and that, yeah, I mean, that's what I've, I've been it's watching. Like a cookbook. I, yeah, I never. Look, mm-hmm. I have a bunch of cookbooks, but I never look at them. I just, oh, I got this. I'm gonna. What do I do? And I, I just Google it. Yeah. Right. That um, makes me nervous sometimes because I feel like people almost rely too much on things. Like, if if I'm worried about something, or if I don't know how to get somewhere, I'll just look it up. I'll just do that. And like, we're relying on GPS or like cooking, like you said. I'll just look it up. And like, I feel like people have lost kind of that. Like that muscle might atrophy for people because they're too reliant on. Oh, I don't need to figure it out. Like, I, I don't know either of your phone numbers. And, like, yeah, we don't I, need I, to I anymore. But if, if my phone yeah, I went dead, like, I, I don't think I could drive or contact anyone anywhere. <laughs> like, how do I even go places? Do you remember your I'm family's s- phone number when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, well, that's not, the same. Do you but, know your grandmother's phone number? I don't know my grandmother's. Oh, I still know my Well, grandma. I mean, she's been dead for a long time. I feel like that's <laughs> but, our saving but, uh, grace. I, I know that because back then I needed to know it. Exactly. If I got it today, I would have no idea. Like, do your kids know your phone number? No. Yeah, I don't like, think so. That's that's kind of weird to think. I feel like we're in that transitional generation where it was still like not that many people had cell phones when we were <laughs> young kids, and it was still like the house phone, and you needed to know the number if you wanted to call somebody. It's, you didn't have contacts, yeah. To just look up. I, I am so old <laughs> that <laughs> well, um, I, when I was a kid. Telephone numbers still had an exchange <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, our, our number in Bethel Park was Tennyson 57639. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I mentioned it to some people from, you know, and, and a, there's a strip club in Bethel called the Tennyson. So they, uh-huh. they had that name, the strip club, and the phone number. And I said, well, no, that was Tennyson, the poet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <And> <laughs> It just so happened that someone picked that up and be, you know, the name of this. You just so happen to be reading the articles in Playboy. It seems strange. (laughs) It Um, seems strange to keep finding yourself in this situation. My grandmother, who lived in Brookline, her number was Philbrook 11169. Yeah. And Philbrook was her exchange. And I mean, it was just you had to find those letters on the, you know. Oh, wow. By the time I'm in high school, it was 835 instead of Tennyson 5. But I'm old enough to remember exchanges (laughs) when. It was sort of literary almost. Yeah. In fact, I think, uh, oh, who wrote Butterfield 8? Uh, which was, that was a telephone exchange, Butterfield 8. Uh huh. But this the title oh. of a classic American novel. Huh, no, um, I, don't, I don't know that I'm, one. I, I'm drawing a blank on the, the author's name, but you can look it up. Well, so, well speaking, you can just Google it. <laughs> speaking of kind of going the way of uh, streaming things and stuff, you do a vinyl night, right? I did. In Squirrel Hill. Now, I love vinyl, and I like that kind of like, because it's so almost like the antithesis of what streaming is. It's like, it's the, it's like a thing, it's tangible, it's right there. It's not, I mean, you can get new ones that are nice, but it's not always perfect. And there's almost like a perfection in the imperfections. Like, it's 
It's an experience versus like something you have on. Well, I mean, I don't know why I kept my vinyl. Yeah. I, you know, uh, except for one associate producer. <clears throat> I'm sorry, so assistant editor at the time. Now he he became just an editor and all that. Matt Conrad, a very good friend of mine. He, he knew that I had all this vinyl, and when he said, "Can I just come get some?" I, yeah. I wasn't doing anything with it. It was just sitting in my yeah, yeah. bedroom. And I said, "Yeah, come get what you want." And he carried out, you know, milk cartons, yeah. milk crates yeah. full of vinyl, and I, that's fine. Now I realize what he took. Like he took all my Ramones and uh, yeah. all the Clash. Oh, yeah, like that, that, you know. Now the stuff you see at the Exchange going for fifty bucks. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I uh, the the thing that I, I play records at the. Uh, in, uh, independent Brewing Company, right, um, which is on Shady Avenue in Squirrel Hill on Wednesday nights. Um, those people had been really nice to me. At mm-hmm. the, there's two bars side by side. Okay, um, Hidden Harbor and uh, Independent Brewing Company, um, owned by the same guys, Adam and Pete, and Pete's brother Matt, and uh, they'd just been very nice to me uh, early on in their history. They called and said, "Hey." Uh, we don't want to upset you, but we need to drink after you. (laughs) And I said, that's totally cool. Yeah. And I'm I'm not upset at all. (laughs) And so I went by and I met them and all of that. And so I became friends. And those bars were exactly halfway between WQED and my home in Regent Square. Oh, yeah. When there was a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, the, uh, I just became friends. Yeah. And, I mean, I learned a lot about rum at Hidden yeah. Harbor, and uh, it was just fun to know those guys. And um, so I saw on Facebook uh, early on in the pandemic, well, in July of 2020, um, it said, you know, it was Pete, Pete's birthday, Pete Kurzweig. He's the owner, mm-hmm. one of the owners. It said Pete's Kurzweig's birthday, and I texted him, and I said, hey, are you at the bar? And he said, I am. The bar wasn't open. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> said, but, you know, if you're coming, come early. And I said, like, now? And he says, yeah, it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd made cookies. Oh. <laughs> I'd made cookies, and um, the, uh, I took them to him. It was like 4 o'clock. We sat at a table outside and had a beer. And yeah. He goes, I'm sorry. He said, i got to go. I'm playing records. And I said, what do you mean you're playing records? Yeah. And he said, we play vinyl here on Wednesday nights. And then I never noticed that on the front of the bar, it yeah. says, beer, cocktails, vinyl. Oh, Okay. And it, but it's just Wednesday nights. And, but he has a big uh, bookshelf. Uh-huh. And they play vinyl all the time in there, the bartenders oh, okay. do. Um, but it's just, you know, a sort of special gig on Wednesday nights. They make a point of it. And Pete, for the first couple of weeks that I did it, Pete played with me. We would, you know. Okay, yeah. It's fun to play with someone, you know, see what they play. You right. Know, you can totally ignore it or you can <laughs> yeah. try to top <laughs> feed it off it. Yeah, yeah. whatever. And I've got a couple guys that have come in and uh, played with me uh, when the Rolling Stones were coming to town, Doug Oster called me and he goes, hey, I have a lot of stones. Can I come oh, yeah, yeah. with you? And I said, sure. And uh, my friend Lance Jones, who used to be the uh, general manager of Star Lake, like he's oh, met okay. all the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he's, he's been there several times. And then uh, one of the guys who started the Pittsburgh Vintage Mixer, okay. uh, Michael Lutz, he's come by too. And actually, he's challenged me now, and he wants to, well, probably <laughs> mm-hmm. before the end of the summer, do one Wednesday night, he wants to play all French music. Oh, really? Which is really weird. But yeah. because I've been doing that, I started to play, pay attention to vinyl again in that, at Goodwill Shops. Oh, okay. Vinyl is 79 cents. Oh, yeah. And it's mostly crap. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of Eddie Arnold, Liberace, and Montavani, <laughs> yeah. and those kind of things. But every now and then, there's a jewel. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you put up with a lot, but it's, it's something that I enjoy. Find and the hidden gem for yeah. 70 cents that's probably worth. Yeah, I, I found, and the thing is, they want to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> I found a 10-disc set of William Steinberg conducts the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. Oh, okay. And all the Beethoven's symphonies. 79 cents for 10 records. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's 7.9 cents. That's barely saying, like, just have it. Right. And then one time at a Goodwill in West Virginia when I was traveling to, uh, south, I saw, oh, look, there's a Goodwill there. So I pulled in and uh, yeah. just terrible records. Or uh, a... The K, the box not in perfect shape, but the record's in great shape. Yeah. Um, George Harrison's uh, oh. concert for Bangladesh, a three album set, seventy uh-huh. cents. Oh wow! So you know it's really good. Um, <laughs> and you just you have to like look for those. I don't know. But I guess so, if you wade through enough of it, you you'll find a gem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy that. I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but it's become like a little routine on Wednesday nights. I play records. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's... And it means that, that I, at home I go through records, <laughs> yeah. pack a bag, and, you know, go. Absolutely. I'm like well, old school myself. Like, I just recently got Spotify. Like, I would rather be listening to, like, records at home in a way, too. I, I like what Chris said. I like the... Something's perfect about the imperfections. I like the sound that you can hear the needle on the record while Mm -hmm. there's not anything playing. Just the sound of like the going before the sound and and in between the sounds. Something about the turntables there. If if you're playing the last cut on the side, it'll tend to start to repeat. And then you just have to touch it with your finger. (laughs) It moves on. Well, we have to ask the big question about what is in your drink then that's named after you. Do you know? Oh, yeah. It was basically an old-fashioned. Oh, okay. Um, it was uh, bonded bourbon and uh, chocolate bitters. Oh, okay. Um, and instead of simple syrup, it was maple syrup. Oh, huh. Because I'd just done two shows for PBS about breakfast. Yeah. And uh, then the garnish was a piece of candied bacon, and they called it a gentleman's breakfast oh, or the Rick Seaback. That sounds so good. And then during the pandemic, when they were bottling cocktails, they bottled it. Yeah, and it was really good. We uh, at the restaurant I work at, we we did a bacon infused bourbon and did something like that. Although it kind of didn't work out as much as we'd like, but that sounds good. We did a bacon infused, and it kind of got like oily. Oh, oh, there was no bacon in the drink. Yeah, just yeah. The garnish. Well, that's what they they should have done. Is that sounds a lot better, just as a as a garnish, you know. Bacon's always good. You see it in the Bloody Marys and stuff. Although Bloody Marys go out of control with the garnishes. Uh, I've seen one with like a whole burger. They have like, I said it before, they have like a rotisserie chicken on it. (laughs) And then they have like an entire basket of fries, like from the O. Like all this stuff is, it's like a feast on top of this like little pint glass. (laughs) It's crazy. And then it's like eight, I mean, it's like $80 or whatever. But like you are getting enough food for a table of people. Thanksgiving dinner on top of right and then the way they have it they have these like trees that like go on them i don't even know how the glass supports this they have to have like re you know uh, like strengthened glass or whatever like at the aquarium where you see it like an inch thick because it holds it has to hold like 20 pounds of food there's everything in the cup except a straw yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I don't even like Bloody Marys that much, but I don't like Bloody me, Marys. Me either. neither. If I if I was hungry and could only get one drink, I would go with that, and I would leave full. 
Um, before we wrap up, I kind of have a question about people getting into filmmaking if they want to make documentaries or something. What is something that you've kind of learned along the way that you could help somebody? Like something you would, uh, some advice in in making a documentary or a film or whatever they choose to do. Well, it's so easy now that we yeah. all carry a broadcast quality camera. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, obviously learn how to do all that. Um, learn all the, the basics. But I still say, and this is what I say to, like, if I go to a class or something, um, I think the most important thing is that you learn how to write. Um, because your initial contact is going to be some sort of written mm-hmm. thing. And I know that when I applied for this job in Pittsburgh here, uh, I asked the woman who hired me, Nancy, yeah. uh, you know, there were like 250 applicants. I said, how do you deal with that? She said, well, the first thing I do is if there is a misspelled word or a grammatical <laughs> error, yeah. I just don't consider it. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I, you know, I, uh, I mean, it was harder back then because you were typing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably taking out half the competition right there, at least, right. just with grammar. And so error. I just always say that to kids, you know, you got to know that grammar. You got to, you know, subjects got to agree with the predicate, and you got to do all that kind of stuff and know all that background, as well as, you know, the filmmaking stuff. So, um, and, you know, you've got to be naturally curious. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, keep that up. That's why I, I did a series called Nebby, because I said, that's, you know, Pittsburgh, we, we know <laughs> yeah. the word Nebby, yeah. but that's oh, where yeah. you got to be. You got to be Nebby. You got to, you know, be interested in everything. And uh, the, uh, I also, you know, uh, try to tell people that one thing I've learned, I learned early on is when you interview somebody, you get back exactly what you put out. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sort of blessed with a face that looks like I'm smiling all the time. You, yeah, <laughs> you have some people don't have that, and you have like a very approachable tone and look. Right, so uh, that helps. Yeah, <laughs> and generally, I'm not doing hard hitting, you know, yeah. documentaries. I'm doing things about people uh, that people love. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. sort of the niche I found right. early yeah. on, and it's really fun. Um, and there are enough people doing the other kind of work that I don't have to worry about that. Um, and so it, if the interest you have and the joy you get in it when you're asking questions, it's going to come right back at you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, except in really rare cases. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's important. I said, you can tell that on the news. You can tell how interested the reporter <laughs> yeah. is just yeah. by the response of the person. If it's a politician and it's sort of a, you know, a rogue yeah. answer, that kind of thing. But if, if it's lively and fun... You know, that's because the person who's asking the questions yeah. is putting out that energy. I just find that so many times people are so interested in the um, mechanics of the, you know, taking the picture mm-hmm. that they're not concerned about that energy of the yeah. question and the energy of the information. So uh, I, I always remember a guy uh, contacted me. He must have sent a, you know, email or something, but he said, you know, he said, I, I'm thinking about quitting my job because I watched your hot dog program. Mm-hmm. Everyone in that show with their hot dog places is so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and my response was, I said, well, you know, maybe they're not all that happy, but I was that happy. Yeah. And that's what I think you're seeing some of that. That yeah. everybody is happy that we were there. Right. And that we were, you know, putting a spotlight on their place. And, yeah. You're and catching all them all on a good day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, that, that, that's part of the trick. So that's what I'd say that, you know, learn how to write, learn how to read, (laughs) learn how to, you know, play with your phone. Uh, I use a simple app called Pinnacle Studio Mm -hmm. uh, to edit things. Yeah. That seems to still work fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the guys taught me that in the back of a van one time. Yeah. When we were, you know, doing a, a long trip. Uh, Glenn Siska taught me how to use Pinnacle Studio. Yeah. I think, I think that is huge kind of with the documentaries and, or whatever doing. Because you were saying how, like, everybody has a camera in their phone, which means, like, everyone can do it, which also means everyone can do it. Like, kind of, they're good and bad. So, you, like, just because everyone can do it now means maybe people don't have the same enthusiasm. So, when you do do it, and you are curious, like you said, I love the natural curiosity and like you're passionate about it. Like having a good camera and stuff works, but like if you're not, you know, enthusiastic about it, then you're just filming stuff. Exactly. Right. And that's the same thing even with the interview process. You said you had to like write to look good. And then once you're in there, like you do need to bring an enthusiastic voice and a passion for learning or whatever is to make sure that you're more marketable. Like you need to be able to show yeah, you have your to interests. set yourself apart when something's oversaturated like that. And uh, obviously grammatical errors is kind of the low hanging fruit there, but well actually, but I also say, yeah, I, I'm a person who thinks there's no such thing as a stupid question. Oh, definitely. Yes. You know, yeah. you know, even the most simple question is obviously is sometimes the best. Yeah. You know, like, how do you do this? You know, I, that's, why do you do right. this? Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing. I'm, I'm learning more when I get older. I ask people questions all the time because I just want to know how it works. Like, because if you tell me to do something, like, I can do it. But if you tell me why I should go do it, then, like, I'll remember that. And I will, it'll be a new, like, learned behavior. I, if you tell me, oh, don't stick a fork in the thing because you're going to get electrocuted versus just don't go over there with silverware, like, well, maybe I, I don't care as much, but if, you know, I learned that way, that's extreme. But, like, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I love the natural curiosity or whatever. I think that's important with people, especially if you want to kind of do your own thing. Like, uh, I, I wanted to interview people. Well, we wanted to just talk to each other and, like, have fun and make jokes. And then we want to talk about sports. And then it's like, well, you know, I want to do this and this. It's, well, I don't know how to edit. I don't know anything about interviewing. I don't know anything about sound. So let's read. Let's watch a video on YouTube. Let's do all this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but now I have, like, cameras on me, and I'm interviewing re- legendary Rick Seaback right now. Like, at a, at a stage, like, this is so cool to me. Like, this is blowing my mind, and I, I'm not taking it for granted. You know like, we it's still awesome. feel that. I still feel yeah. that. You know, you know uh, we, we've been working this week on a little, we did a story at the Steel City Salt Company in Millville. Okay. And just putting it together, you get that same, like, wow, you know, look what we get yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Millville yeah. has some cool spots, too. I was watching the other documentary on yeah. Millville. My joys of Millville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't recommend your documentaries enough. Go back and watch them. I was just watching. There was the Kennywood Memories, but then there was, like, an, uh, like the bonus footage one. I was watching that again yesterday, and it kind of wraps up with what you were saying earlier about people you not wanting people to wave at you i think you mentioned in it but it was like 30 years ago so it's like the time capsule waving at you and you wanted to wave back kind of thing and i think that's awesome like you don't want it in that but looking back on it it's nice to have that extra footage yeah no it's kind of magical and you know when you realize oh we're looking at old old footage but uh yeah i mean but how lucky am i yeah you know i work at a place where we were able to keep the footage yeah for 30 years and then you know you know, do more with it. Um, and then this new bar up in uh, 
Allentown okay. uh, Bottle Rocket. I don't know if you've heard about it. Oh, no. no. Oh, it's Familiar. really great. And uh, huh. it used to be the Lyceum for St. George's Church, I think. Which huh. is like, it has a big bar oh, no. and a theater. Oh, okay. And they have a film club. And they invited me up and they showed Kennywood Memories. It sold out. It was oh. just amazing. Um, and uh, then they did, the, this week they did the strip show. Oh, okay. Um, and so that, that's been totally fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, because you did the thing about things to do this week in Pittsburgh. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. Um, this Friday, I'm oh, going to yeah. do something which I find totally cool. Okay. Um, it was an unexpected invitation. Mm-hmm. And uh, an old Kurt Vonnegut quote from Cat's Cradle. Yeah. Uh, in there, there's a, I don't know if you've ever read Cat's Cradle, but there's a made-up religion called Bokanonism. Okay. And one of the tenets of Bokanonism is unexpected travel plans are dancing lessons from God. Yeah. Okay. And I've changed that to being unexpected invitations are dancing lessons from God. Uh-huh. And this is a little bit of both because there's a little travel involved. And Yeah. But this Friday I'm going to Waynesburg. Oh, okay. Which is, you know, south on 79, almost in West Virginia. Yeah. And uh, it's in Greene County. There's a college or university out there, right? Yeah. That's, that's why. Yes. And... Uh, Anyway, they uh, since the 1890s, Je- July 29th has been rain day in Waynesburg. It, and it was because somebody said, it rains every year on my birthday, <laughs> July 29th. Yeah. And they've made it a town celebration every year. And they think it's going to rain. Yeah. Are they pretty consistent? Yeah, it's amazing. They have statistics like of hundred and some years. Uh, you oh know, wow! Uh, on those like one hundred and fourteen days, it has rained. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh. since the nineteen thirties, uh-huh. they've asked a variety of celebrities yeah. to bet that it won't rain. Uh huh. <laughs> and you bet a hat. Okay. So uh, they called me and asked me if I would be the celebrity. They yeah. Said, well, the list of celebrities is really incredible. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it includes everybody from the Three Stooges, <laughs> uh, Bing Crosby, oh, wow. uh, Arnie Palmer, <laughs> lots of local sports guys. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Bob Prince. Mm-hmm. Over the years, Eleanor Shano, who okay. was on Channel 4, and then she was on Channel 16 with us. She's twice did it. Um, <laughs> it's just an incredible, incredible list of people and local celebrities yeah. and national celebrities. Um, and uh, so uh, this year, I have that honor. And, and that's this Friday? That's this Friday, July 29th. And, uh, you know, there's a town celebration. There's a Have you checked Miss the forecast yet? Selected. <laughs> huh? Have you checked the forecast yet? No. I okay. just know it's not going to rain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a new convertible. I, oh. I, I, I'm driving. Well, you got to show up in that. I know. Absolutely. And wear velvet like and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's this Friday, and I'm looking forward to that. And then there's going to be a, a, a barbecue, I mean, a, mm-hmm. a rib cook-off in Cannonsburg. Um, um, that sounds incredible. Rusty uh, Gold Brewing. I, I'm not, I don't know Rusty Gold Brewing, but no. they invited me to be a judge. So oh. I think that's the first weekend in August. Well, that sounds exciting as yeah. well. So those are two good things that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, because it's it's just fun to to drive around and learn about this whole area. And it really is. You know, I, I I don't get tired of Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh. It's just you know, 
Good well, stuff. you definitely make it more enjoyable for everyone who lives here and wants to learn about it. And uh, I, like I said, your documentaries, I've watched my entire life and I still watch over and I have my kids watch and stuff. So well, thank you for letting me do this. Oh, we appreciate we having appreciate you on. You. We'll, we'll, thank I mean, you. not that anybody doesn't know who you are that's watching this, but we'll, we'll put all your stuff in our uh, info and you know, this can be, uh, if you're just listening, go back, watch it on YouTube. We'll have the video. If you're just watching, make sure you download the uh, podcast and uh, subscribe so uh, you don't miss out on anything. But, uh, Rick, thank you so much again thank you for, for coming me. on. For uh, Sports Guy JP, for the Egghead, I am Chris. I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week.